Today's episode of Mile High Magic is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Broncos tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is a leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. This organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense, and 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Two weeks, two wins, and all of a sudden it is a whole new world here in Broncos country. Hello, everyone. Welcome into Mile High Magic, coming to you from the Dove Valley Dungeon alongside our large humming machines and yes. Nikki Javala. I am Michael Spencer. Glad to have you with us as we recap a 16-0 victory over the Tennessee Titans. And then we're going to get you set for a quick turnaround Thursday night. The Chiefs come to Mile High. We're going to talk about that as well. Nikki, I want to start with Sunday's game at Mile High, though, and the dominating performance from that Denver defense. Yeah, two weeks in a row. I mean, by now you can, you can say it's no longer longer a fluke what they did against the Chargers um, after holding LA to 35 rushing yards they held the Titans to 39 allowed only 3.3 yards per play from the Titans held them to 2 of 14 on third downs I mean they they just flat out smothered them um, and it, it was big it was big for the defense to know that they can do this and it was big for you know, their record I mean they said it two and four which is still not great but they're in good position now as they as you know, face a short turnaround before the Chiefs come into town. Well, and it's funny how quickly things can change in the NFL, and we'll get into this when we go and kind of dive a little deeper into that game against the Chiefs. But two weeks ago, you're sitting there like, oh, my gosh, that Thursday night game against the Chiefs is going to be an absolute massacre. All of a sudden, the defense makes some changes. They insert Alexander Johnson, Mike Purcell, move Kareem Jackson to safety. Those are the three things that we talked about coming out of that Chargers game that made a huge, huge difference. And what we talked about following that game was, can they do it again? Can those guys perform at that high level once again? And they did that. And what it looked like to me was this defense finally feels comfortable. And the players out on the field finally feel like they are more comfortable in this system, which enables them to just run around, fly fast to the ball, and just play football. There's less thinking, there's more playing, and that has had a huge, huge impact on this team. When Vic Fangio said during training camp and OTAs that he was searching for the best combination of players, not necessarily the best players. Um, and I think I kind of got glossed over, but everybody was stuck on the death by inches mantra. But that really stuck with me. And you can see it now because he really does have the best combination of players. You, you look at the three changes he made a couple of weeks ago and it, you brought up how fast things can change in two weeks. I mean, two weeks ago, we were talking about, you know, why this whole staff should or should not be fired. Um, <laughs> But, you know, Fangio stressed that it's the right combination and the players stress that it does take some time because it is a complex system. While it feels more comfortable to them now, it is pretty complex and pretty foreign compared to what they were playing in um, last year with Vance Joseph. Um, so when Vic made those changes, he put Mike Purcell on the defensive line, benched Adam Gotsis as a result. 
uh, moved Alexander Johnson into starting inside linebacker over Josie Jewell and moved Kareem Jackson into safety. Uh, those, those three changes were pretty significant. Um, you know, benching a couple starters alone is, is big, but the impact those three had collectively, I mean, we're seeing it now with how physical they are, um, you know, how good they are against the run and how that secondary with kind of this miscast group of mm-hmm. guys have, have really come together and they're playing quite well together. Um, I mean, they got five undrafted players as starters on defense. It's really kind of crazy how they brought all these guys together, but you can kind of see now what Vic Fangio was envisioning from the jump and you know, it's taken a few tweaks, but he's gotten some of it. And one guy who I thought is is kind of quietly playing really well over the last two weeks and is part of the reason why that run defense is so improved is Todd Davis. And, and I thought that he obviously missed all of training camp, missed all of preseason. So it took a little while, I think, maybe to get his legs back underneath him. But I thought that he is playing really, really well. And I think he's part of the reason why Alexander Johnson is playing so well. And Alexander kind of hit on that after the game uh, against the Titans. Those two have really done a good job playing together. Todd's getting the calls. He's getting them in quickly. That's part of why AJ is allowed to play so free and, and has been able to to have the type of success that he has had. And it's interesting because Todd Davis, I mean, he he spent the first part of his time here in Denver working with Brandon Marshall. Then he changes to Josie Jewell, and on short notice, they they switch it up and they put Alexander Johnson in there. So you would think it would require a bit of adjustment for him, but it's actually, like you said, it it worked out to his benefit. I I think just having the size and the physicality of guys like Mike Purcell up Mm -hmm. front and Alexander Johnson, who is just – He's just a large human, yeah. just pure muscle, uh, 255 pounds at inside linebacker. It's just kind of crazy. I, that's just helped them. I, I just, you know, they were missing tackles before they struggled in coverage. I just don't think they had the size inside to kind of create that pressure that they needed. Um, and, and I just, it's the combination. It just works. And now the big thing is, too, this defense is making big plays and they're making yeah. them at, at really critical times, yeah. you know. I mean, yes, the Tennessee Titans offense is not in the top tier of NFL offenses, right? I think everybody can. Neither make. them nor the Chargers. Yeah, but, but what, they're, what, they're, what they're doing is this defense is, I think, slowly starting to build its confidence because of the last two performances. And the big plays at big times is huge. I mean, I think back to Alexander Johnson gets a sack on the first play. Then you go back to Chris Harris Jr., his interception. After the offense had maybe its worst drive of the day, you had a couple holding penalties, one that was accepted, one that wasn't. You had the bad snap from Connor McGovern. They have to punt the ball away. Tennessee gets it in really good field position. And you're starting to think, okay, if the Titans go down and score here, even if they just get a field goal, then and maybe they get the momentum going into halftime. What happens? First play, Chris Harris Jr. interception prevents Tennessee from getting any momentum. And then, of course, you get the big play from Kareem Jackson at the end of the game, which which ices it. Those two plays, to me, are, are were part of how this defense is making big plays at big moments and helping out its offense. Absolutely. I mean, that in, Justin Simmons' interception had put the offense at, you know, the 41. Yeah, and the and offense capitalized. Yeah, they yeah, win exactly. score. Exactly. I mean, that was like – that was the best four-minute stretch they've had in a while because they worked in, in unison there in that, you know, the, the defense gave the offense a chance and they actually took advantage of it. They didn't come out and just have a three and out. Like, they picked up a couple first downs and then Philip Lindsay literally tumbled into the end zone yeah. for the first and only touchdown of the game. 
But like you mentioned the big plays at critical times. I mean, on third downs, they held the Titans to two of 14 on third down. And on those third downs, the Broncos defense got uh, two sacks, a tackle for loss, uh, an interception. That was Simmons' interception. And then Chris Harris's huge pass breakup, like on the two yard line mm-hmm. there. Um, it was it was huge. Um, I also thought it was really interesting, something that Vic did, and you could kind of see this throughout the game and really the last two games is how much he's really mixing it up. There was that third and 13 in the second quarter where he had nine guys drop back into coverage. Just something you just don't see all that often. Did they have nine guys drop back or were they missing a player? They had nine guys drop back okay. and then they had two rush, but Von Miller ended up ch- okay, chasing. Okay, yeah, chasing Marcus yeah. Mariota. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I got to go back and count. I counted only 10 guys. And I thought maybe that was why. No, they, okay, no, they, right, you're coming. There was a lot. Yeah, right. they had they had ten back there, and it, the the Titans' offensive line had no idea what to do. There was there's nowhere to throw it when you have nine guys back in coverage. Yeah. So Mary literally, the offensive scrambling. linemen were looking around They're like, like Wait, who do, do, do I block? Yeah, and even Vaughn was like, <laughs> "Should I go after him?" And then he just finally chased Mariota. So. I mean, he's mixing it up. He's confusing guys. And, and this is what Chris Harris called for yeah. last year, you know? And I thought, too, I mean, that was obviously a really big play. But then you go back to that sack that Alexander Johnson had on that first drive. They had six guys on the line of scrimmage, ended yep. up bringing five. And what Johnson did was he looped around two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I thought that was, you know, obviously something that, that I think we hadn't seen for a while. And part of this, these guys feeling more comfortable in that defense. Yeah. And when guys can just play, they they can do stuff like that. And you talk about the interceptions, the one that Justin Simmons had, you got to give your you got to give credit there to the pressure that they right. put on Marcus Mariota. And that was you go back to those first four games, they weren't able to do that and that had a huge difference. And now they're getting pushed up the middle, that's allowing everybody to come from the outside. I mean, they had more sacks and interceptions in Sunday's game against the Titans than they did in the first 5 games of the season. Yeah. That's crazy when yeah. you think about it. And it's the first time since 1984 they've had a seven-sack, three-pick game. I mean, the numbers they put up were – they were bonkers. Like <laughs> They were just kind of crazy, especially doing it two weeks in a row. Um, but, again, it does require some context because both offenses, the, the Chargers, have just not been playing well lately, and the Titans' offense is just not good. It kind of reminded me of what we sat through for many of Broncos' yeah. games. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this is, this is a huge test, especially with the Chiefs coming off two losses. Patrick Mahomes is a bit hobbled with the ankle yeah. injury. Um, the last three meetings against the Chiefs, uh, the Broncos have held them to, you know, a score, really. I think it's three, four, seven. Um, so this is really going to be their first major gauge for this defense yeah you talk about it's real you talk about where this team is the fact that they've won two straight games the fact that they have seemingly started to turn the corner after that 0-4 start Thursday night's the big one yeah I mean there there's no doubt about it if you win on Thursday then it sends a big message to everybody else that hey this is legit right like it's one thing to beat the Chargers it's one thing to beat the Titans it's a whole different story to beat the Chiefs and to ra- to rattle off three yeah. straight victories, I mean that could be could be a huge huge turning yeah. point. You know what the biggest stat to me was from Sunday's win was the shutout, and not necessarily that they shut them out, but that it was the first time since December of 2017. Because I would have bet you money that there was not a defense during the Vance Joseph era that was able to shut a team out. <laughs> that to me was the biggest the biggest standing uh, the biggest takeaway maybe from that statistic, and also. Where the hell did DeMarcus Walker come from? That's 
That's one of the craziest things to me because Vance Joseph's staff completely wrote him off. Completely. Um, I, I remember when I was doing some reporting on why isn't he playing? Why isn't he out there? This is a second-round pick. What's going on? And I've had many people within the organization tell me, well, they just think he's not good. What are you talking about? Like, this guy was a sack machine at Florida State. You picked him in the second round, and all of a sudden you decide he can't play. Like, that staff, no disrespect to Joseph and his staff, but they, they kind of ruined him. They screwed him, him up big yeah. time. I mean, you, you bring in a rookie, you make him change a position that he hasn't really played all that much. He drops like 40 pounds in a month to get smaller and play outside linebacker. This is to compensate for Shane Ray's injury. He's ineffective. You move him back to defensive line, he gains all the way. You only play him three games. And so you kind of wasted his first two years in the league where, you know, he comes in now, he puts on more weight, plays in Vic Fangio's system, and he's 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 a machine out there. He's a big part of this defense, even though he doesn't start. I was shocked when I looked at the play count numbers and saw that he was only on the field for 24 of the 70 defensive plays because I would have thought it was much more just based on his productivity when he was on the field. I mean, that guy was everywhere yesterday. And and so kudos to him for being able to get through those tough two years. And now you're really starting to see what they feel like they thought they had. And part of the reason why they took him in the second round, if he can continue to play the way he has, man, this defense is going to be really, really tight. I, I, just think this defense is so interesting with the cast of characters, in part because of the injuries. You know, they thought they would have Bryce Callahan, and now they're on, you know, their third guy, Devontae Harris, who actually did quite well in his first mm-hmm. NFL start. You know, they don't have Bradley Chubb. They have an undrafted guy, Malik Reed, who's doing pretty well. Alexander Johnson, undrafted after the whole debacle at, at Tennessee. Mike Purcell, who's bounced around from eight different teams. He's a Colorado native Started with Vic in San Francisco and has gone to eight different teams, including an AAF team, and now lands here as a starter. It's just, it's kind of wild how it all came together, but it's working. You just hope it can continue. My concern still, as it has been since really 2015, is the offense. You, You just don't trust the offense. And while they're making strides and they were able to put up some points, they did finally score a touchdown. It's just inefficient. It's inconsistent. And against a Chiefs team that, you know, seems to put up points with ease, you just wonder, well, if the defense can hang on, can this offense even score enough to give them a win? 16 points isn't going to be enough, right? Uh, Yeah. yeah. 16 points will not be enough to beat the Chiefs, a team that comes in averaging 28, I believe it is. There's no way. you got to get more from your offense. Um, and that is a huge, huge concern because 16 points is about where the Broncos have been really all season long. And so I am, I am with you. I am very, very concerned about that offense. They have got to perform better. And with Emmanuel Sanders now being limited in what would have been a practice today, had the Broncos practiced, he would have been limited dealing with that knee injury, missed the entire second half of that game against the Titans. The concerns just double. Because yeah. they have got to find a way to get points and, and get into the end zone. Settling for three field goals is not going to be enough. And, and I think it's easy to say, well, Emmanuel's only been target, you know, once each game, maybe two times, depending on the penalties. Um, but what he does to kind of set up those plays is significant. Like I, I look at one of those 
well, actually, they only had two third down conversions. Like the Titans, they were two of 14. And one of those was a completion of Cortland Sutton, and it worked because Emmanuel Sanders was in motion, lined up outside Cortland Sutton, and drew a cornerback out wide. Just his presence yeah. on the field is really important for Absolutely. this offense because of what it enables them to do. And if you're a defense and you see number 10s on the field, you may know he's not getting the receptions that he's usually getting. He may not bring to the field what he usually brings, but his presence out there is something that defense is going to have to be aware of, and it's going to open things yeah. up for Cortland Sutton. Yeah. I think this is also a huge week where they really need their run game to really come strong. I mean, this is you really need Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman to come with it. If the Broncos run the football, I think they'll win, right? Like that is the formula to beating the Chiefs. And this is a Chiefs defense that is not very good when it comes to stopping the run. And so there's an opportunity there against the defense that allows 161 yards per game on the ground. That's third worst in the NFL. There's an opportunity there to run the football. And that may be, as cliche as it sounds, the best way to beat one of the best offenses in the NFL, is to keep Patrick Mahomes and those guys on the sideline. And if you can run the football, you can eat up the clock, you can keep them on the sideline, and you're going to have success. But they have got to stick with the run, especially if they fall behind. That's when they have a tendency to just go three and out because of pass, pass, pass. You have got to be able to run the football, and that's going to open up play action. If they if they run the football, they'll win the game. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Feed Phil. That's what we feed Phil. Hashtag yeah. feed Phil. Yes. Fun fact, courtesy of the NFL that we just found out today. Philip Lindsay and Roy Streamman are the only pair of running back teammates each with at least 400 scrimmage, scrimmage yards so far this season. Uh, Lindsay has 544. Freeman has 429. So they have quite the tandem. They just need to use them more. And, use Phil more. And you know what's interesting? I, I, been on record saying they need to use Phil more than they use Royce. Um, and I, I stand by that. And just watching the game yesterday, I got the feeling that they were doing that. And then when you go look at the numbers, it was actually still fairly even. Um, but it, it felt to me watching the game the first time that Phil was being featured more. I think he maybe had one more touch than Royce did. And Royce actually had several more snaps than Philip did, which I, I thought was a bit surprising. But you got to continue to feed Philip Lindsay, and I still think that he should be getting more touches um, than than Royce Freeman. But that being said, I'm okay with how they divvied it up. It didn't feel like Royce was getting a ton more play than Phil. Um, so so I'm okay with with how they look. Now they just got to get in the yeah. end zone. The only one I really questioned was the third and nine um, when they were set back on their own twenty nine, and they played it super conservative. Yes. And they had Royce Freeman run it. He only picked up four yards. They were forced to punt. It's in those situations where I'm like, hey, would make sense to pass it. But if not, Phil is the one that can shed tackles and pick up those extra yards. I I get the logic and wanting to go with the stronger, bigger back. But he's the one that could really break loose for that first down. So that was the one I was confused on. But, you know. All right. Let's get to uh, some over-unders from what we had you want to recap yes. uh, our over-unders? I think I'm going to be in for a big win here. Uh, Phil Lindsay <laughs> rushing yards. We set it at 82 and a half. He finished with 70. Ouch, I would have thought that number was higher. Uh, you went under. I went over. So you win on that one. Wow. How's that big win? So much for that big win. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel Sanders receptions. We had it at four and a half. You and I both went over. Whoops. 
Didn't help that he didn't play in the second half, but even then wasn't on pace for four and a half receptions. So we both lose there. Uh, Broncos sacks. We had seven. Well, the Broncos had seven. We set it at three and a half. You went under. I went over. So I get the win there. Uh, Total points, 40 and a half. We both went under. And we both win because only 16. Uh, that was 40 and a half was the Vegas line, too, when we recorded our podcast on Thursday. Slightly off. Just a bit outside. <laughs> uh, so we both win there. Uh, Bowls holding penalties. We had it at a half. You went over. Oh. I went under. It, it, he did get I called mean, for one. It, it was wasn't accepted. Uh, but we'll count it because it was, a, it was a call. The official did say at some point during the game, holding Offense number 72. Yeah. So I'll give you that. Okay. I'll give you that one. So where are we? Are we even or are you ahead? Uh, let's see. Right now we are even. Uh, okay. That actually puts you slightly ahead. Uh, so you get the win there. You're now one ahead. Broncos forced turnovers. We both went over. We edited a half, which they're just like, come on. We're clearly not giving the defense their due. Uh, we both went over. So we both went on that one. Uh, so you win. Wow. wow. That was totally different wow. than how I thought that was going to go. Really disappointing. Wow. Actually, and you add on my big win last week. Yeah. I'm like you're smashing me in the overrunners. I got to stop gambling. Oh, no wonder I'm losing all my money here. Wow. Um, one other thing about this, this Kansas City offense, Tyreek Hill, who we saw in that game against He's a Houston. problem. He is a huge, huge problem. And as well as we have seen Alexander Johnson play and as much praise as we have given him, and and deservedly so, I am slightly concerned about his ability to cover. And if I'm Kansas City, I want to make that be the place where I try and attack this Broncos defense, right? We know Todd Davis has had trouble covering in the past. I want to, I've had concerns about Alexander Johnson all along, and I wonder in terms of coverage, and I wonder if the Chiefs try and exploit that on Thursday. Because if I'm Kansas City, if I'm Andy Reid, that's where I go try and attack. And I didn't think the Titans did a good enough job of targeting Devontae Harris. I don't think they went after him the way that they should have. Um, and he did play He did play well. But I don't know how much of that is on the Titans just being bad and Marcus Mariota just being unable and incapable of throwing the football or how much of that was Harris playing well and the Broncos giving him help. Well, if anything, them not going to Devontae Harris as much created those opportunities for Chris Harris. So you'd like to think that other teams will do it, but, you know, at the same time, they're probably not as foolish in doing so. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, this a lot of teams have done this to the Broncos. This has kind of been their Achilles heel is, you know, when they they use guys to go up the middle and kind of tear up the middle. They Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs have used him quite a bit. I, I think he's had a touchdown and how many consecutive meetings with the Broncos? It's been a lot. Yeah. Tyreek Hill has never lost against the Broncos. Well, you know what's crazy? Justin Simmons has never won. Like, you think about those guys in that draft class and Justin Simmons and Will Parks, and the young guys on this team do not know what it is like to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That's astounding. What's kind of crazy, though, is he's never gained more than 70 yards receiving. Hill? Yeah. He's, well, he scored that one only game. one touchdown, and that was in their very first meeting in 2016. But remember, remember that game where he had three touchdowns? One was a catch, yeah, the other was a run, yeah. and then yeah. the, uh, a punt return, I think yeah. it was, or was it a kickoff return? Yeah. Um, yeah, because he has two rushing So he touchdowns. finds ways to hurt this yeah. football team. Yeah, I mean, he had 95 yards on the ground in a game in 2016, so he can he can destroy them all in all kinds of ways. I, I think Travis Kelsey is 
another big problem and a huge test for the secondary, which is still depleted in cornerbacks, and they're still kind of testing out this operation with Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons back there. You know, can they can they handle a guy like Travis Kelsey, who has put up some really big numbers against the Broncos over the years? I'm trying to pull up his career stats real quick against Denver because he's had some monster games. I'll never forget that one when it's pouring in Christmas, and that was the game come to find out that Gary Kubiak told yes. LA he was stepping down. I mean, and and – we have seen over the years the Broncos have had trouble covering tight ends. Yes. And Kelsey has been one of those guys who's been able yeah. to exploit that Denver defense. And I, so that's a that's a big concern heading into Thursday night. So his last five meetings against the Broncos, he had 101 receiving yards, 160 yards, 133 oh. yards, 78 and 79. And in that oh, span, nice he's of him had, to nice of him to give him right? a break in those final two games. Yeah, in this in that span, he's had four touchdowns, one each in the last four games. So he's got a nice little streak there going. They better figure out a way to stop him because yeah. that could be a problem. Yeah, and I wonder what role Will Parks will have in that. You know, Parks played a lot of nickel corner. Uh, he told me he played more nickel corner in Sunday's game against the Titans than he had played since college. They had Chris Harris and Will Parks yeah. in nickel. Um, they were rotating guys around a lot, which you know explains why they wanted such versatility in their secondary but that's also a challenge, you know, for those guys to kind of always be on their toes to know what they're doing at their various positions. And they still don't have a ton of depth. I mean, they they brought on Cody Sensabaugh, but mm-hmm. he's yet to really play. They're kind of on the last legs of their roster. If yeah. anybody gets hurt, God forbid, that that could be a problem. Yeah, so. they're gonna have uh, they're gonna have their work cut out for them Thursday. And again, look, this is the Chiefs' offense that. Comes in and, and you're like, oh, Patrick Mahomes, he's a little hobbled. Yeah, okay, maybe they've taken a bit of a step back. Whatever, they're still killing it, right? Yeah. Like they're yeah, the still putting up still monster numbers. Yeah. They're still third in the league in yards per game. They have the top passing offense in the league and the fifth in the league in points per game. So don't come in to Thursday night just thinking you're going to roll over yeah. the Chiefs because they're down a little bit. They're still one of the top offenses in the league. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I don't think anybody in that locker room really believes that. I think they truly believe that this is the biggest test so far this season, if not the season. They are the leaders in the AFC West. Mm-hmm. They have to go through them if they want to get anywhere. So, And what did we say two weeks ago, right, when this team was 0-4? We really felt like these next three games were going to determine the way this 2019 season goes. And you you look back two weeks ago, the Chiefs are 4-0, the Broncos are 0-4. Now the Chiefs are 4-2, they've lost two straight, the Broncos have won two straight, they're sitting there at 2-4. Thursday's game could change everything about this season, for better or for worse. I think yeah. Thursday's going to really, really tell us what this 2019 yeah. team is all about. This is another huge kind of crossroads in their season. Actually, I think the biggest turning point so far was that Jaguars game. Yeah. Because, I mean, that that lit a fire under them, clearly. I mean, it, it's unfortunate it took that kind of game for them to really get it together. And this is not to say they weren't playing with effort or anything like that. I, I think it takes some time for this defense and this offense to really click. Um, but I, I think the 269 yards they gave up on the ground to the Jaguars was just at home, no less. Mm-hmm. That that was embarrassing. I mean, it, Fangio said it, players have said it, and ever since then, 
they've been playing lights out. And that was the thing that caused changes, right? Yes. That was the thing yep. that caused Adam Gatsas to be inactive, caused Mike Purcell to be in the starting lineup. Part of the reason why Alexander Johnson got more play against the Chargers and obviously Josie Jewell's injury factored into that. But that was the game that if they beat the Chiefs, you're going to turn around and point to and say, okay, that was where things changed because not only were the players pissed off at their performance, but the coaches basically laid down a mandate and said, hey, this is not going to fly. And if you guys can't perform, we're going to make changes necessary. So credit to them for doing all of that. All right. uh, You got a spotlight. Who are you shining your spotlight on for this week in Kansas City? Well, against Kansas City. Uh, I'm going to go with Philip Lindsay. Well, I feel like the whole defense needs to be on their toes against a guy like Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Um, they really need to get the ground game going for the offense to be able to keep up. Um, the last two games against the Chiefs, both losses, both opponents each had a 100-yard rusher. Phillip needs to be that guy for the for the Broncos to have a shot. So my spotlight's on Philip Lindsay. The formula is there yeah. for beating the Chiefs. Now the question is, can the Broncos follow it? Can they stick with it if indeed they get behind? Because we saw Houston come back yeah. against the Chiefs in Arrowhead, no less. Mm-hmm. So can the Broncos stick with the formula that the Colts have given them, that the Texans have given them, uh, and come away with a win? Philip Lindsay, your spotlight. I'm going to go with Kareem Jackson. Uh, I think he's played really, really well over the last two weeks. I think he is seeing what the opposing team is doing and attacking. Uh, we heard that from Justin Simmons earlier today. He has played really well. He's part of the reason why this team has has made that turnaround. He's been great in the run game. Obviously had his interception uh, against the Titans to seal that game. So another big game from Kareem Jackson and that Broncos secondary could be a big reason yeah. why this team is is three and four come es- Friday morning. Especially in trying to contain Tyreek. Yeah. 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 Tyreek Hill and in, I think I think he's going to have a role yeah. in, in containing Kelsey yeah. as well. All right. So that is going to do it for this episode of, of Mile High Magic. I know you got a couple things you need to get yeah. to. Yeah. I just wanted to plug another one of our podcasts because we have so many and they're all truly worth tuning into. Um, one of my favorites is, to be honest, with D'Angelo Williams. It's every Wednesday the former 11-year running back, D'Angelo Williams, an athletics senior writer and fantasy expert, Jake Seeley, go in-depth about players and fans' perspective from everything on the field, off the field. It's really an interesting listen. I encourage you to kind of go check that out. Um, and, and check out the other podcasts that are available, too. Uh, a lot of our NFL teams now, we have podcasts regularly. The Chiefs folks, they have a podcast. Go, be sure to check all those out. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Mile High Magic for Nikki Javala and our fantastic producer, Danielle. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We will be back with you. No Thursday episode because of the Thursday game, but we'll be back with you on Friday to recap that one and uh, get you ready for a long weekend with no Broncos football. I don't know how we're going to make it, but hopefully a, a victory over the Chiefs. I think I'm going to be, be okay. Push I think You'll I'm going to manage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Might actually be able to get something done this weekend. All right, guys. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in. We will check in with you on Friday. 